0: Good morning, and thank you for joining us on Five at Eight. It's Monday, December 11th, 2023, and here's Linda Carlisle and Mark Overman with today's top news. In this episode, we will talk about new research suggesting that volcanic eruptions, rather than a meteorite impact, may have caused the extinction of the dinosaurs. We'll also discuss the powerful speech delivered by Iranian women's rights advocate and Nobel Peace Prize winner Narjas Mohammadi from prison. Additionally, we'll cover the recent developments in oil prices and efforts to replenish strategic reserves. We'll explore Serbia's completion of an interconnector pipeline to Bulgaria, diversifying its gas supplies. And finally, we'll remember the remarkable life and work of Dr. Gao Yaojie, the Chinese doctor who exposed an AIDS epidemic in rural China. Stay tuned for these top news stories of the day. Story number one. According to the Washington Post, new research suggests that volcanic eruptions, rather than a meteorite impact, may have caused the extinction of the dinosaurs. The study focused on the Deccan Traps, a large volcanic province in present-day India, which experienced massive lava outpourings around the time of the dinosaur extinction. The eruptions would have released gases, such as sulfur dioxide, that reflected sunlight back into space and caused global cooling. The team found high concentrations of sulfur in the lava flows, indicating a significant drop in temperature. The continuous volcanic activity over hundreds of thousands of years would have led to dramatic and persistent cooling, making it difficult for the dinosaurs to adapt. The findings, as reported by the Washington Post, highlight the dangers of rapid climate change and serve as a cautionary tale for the current climate crisis. Good to dive into this, Linda. I find it fascinating that these large-scale geological events, like the volcanic eruptions in the Deccan Traps, had such a profound impact on the extinction of the dinosaurs. If that research is right, it's like a one-two punch, the meteorite just being the final blow. Imagine the temperature dropping so dramatically over just a decade, with every year getting colder than the last.
1: It's sobering to think about. Just imagine the immense scale of these eruptions— with layers of lava over a mile thick and covering an area the size of Oregon and Washington combined. These events expelled gases like sulfur dioxide into the atmosphere, which reflected sunlight back into space, causing a significant drop in Earth's surface temperature. It's almost like a domino effect, isn't it? One event triggering another, leading to a cascade of changes.
0: Yeah, it really is a domino effect, Linda. This got me thinking, with each eruption the world became colder and colder, causing what could be likened to a perpetual winter. Now that's a chilling thought, pardon the pun. But what's even more concerning is that these changes were happening at a pace faster than the dinosaurs could adapt. It's like they didn't stand a chance.
1: That's a poignant point, Mark. The rapid pace of these changes does seem to have played a major role in the dinosaurs' inability to adapt. And this brings us to a critical observation, doesn't it? When Earth changes too fast... The consequences can be catastrophic for species that cannot adapt quickly enough. It's not just about the change itself, but also the rate at which it's happening. It's a cautionary tale, reminding us of the potential dangers of rapid climate change today.
0: Right you are, Linda. It's a stark reminder that we're not immune to the forces of nature. We're part of this interconnected web, and when one thread snaps, it can unravel the whole thing. We've got to be mindful of our actions and their impact on our planet. Because in the end, what happened to the dinosaurs could very well happen to us if we're not careful.
1: Our actions today will determine the future of our planet and its inhabitants. Let's hope we learn from the past and take steps to mitigate the effects of climate change, ensuring a healthy and sustainable future for all.
0: Story number two. Narjez Mohammadi, an Iranian women's rights advocate and Nobel Peace Prize winner, delivered a speech from prison in which she expressed confidence that the Iranian people will overcome authoritarianism and repression, as reported by Reuters. Mohammadi, who was awarded the prize for her nonviolent fight against the oppression of women in Iran, is currently serving multiple sentences on charges including spreading propaganda. Her speech, read by her children at the award ceremony in Oslo, emphasized the importance of continued resistance and nonviolence in bringing about change. Mohammadi also criticized the mandatory hijab imposed by the Iranian government, stating that it is a means of control rather than a religious or cultural obligation. She called on international civil society to support Iranian civil society in their struggle for freedom and human rights. There's something really powerful about Nargis Mohammadi's story, don't you think? Being imprisoned for advocating for women's rights and yet remaining committed to peaceful resistance. It's a classic example of the power of the human spirit and the effectiveness of nonviolent protest in fighting against oppressive regimes.
1: Mohamedy's courage and determination are admirable. But I do find it interesting how the West, and in this case the Nobel Committee, is quick to champion figures like Mohamedy, who challenge regimes that they're at odds with. It raises questions about whether these awards are truly about promoting peace and human rights, or if they're being used as a tool for political influence.
0: Well, Linda, I see where you're coming from, but I disagree. Of course, no organization is completely free of political bias, but I believe the Nobel Peace Prize has a long history of honoring genuine advocates for peace and justice. We've seen it. With Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, and now Nargis Mohammadi. It's about recognizing individuals who've made significant contributions to peace, not about political gamesmanship.
1: I understand your point, Mark, but it's hard to ignore the fact that these awards do carry a lot of international weight and influence. They can, inadvertently or not, contribute to shaping global narratives and influencing international relations. And in the case of Mohammadi, it's clear that the Iranian government sees this as an act of meddling. Although I fully support Mohammadi's work and the cause she's fighting for, I think it's crucial we consider these dynamics.
0: True, Linda, but isn't that part of the power of these awards? They shed light on issues that might otherwise go unnoticed. They spark international conversations about human rights, freedom, and justice. And yes, they do ruffle feathers sometimes, but isn't that a good thing? If an oppressive regime feels threatened by a Peace Prize winner, doesn't that say more about the regime than the award itself?
1: That's a fair argument, Mark. However... I still believe it's essential for us to critically examine these institutions and their decisions. After all, it's through critical discourse and reflection that we can ensure the continued integrity and effectiveness of these awards in promoting peace and justice.
0: Story number three. Oil prices edged higher for a second consecutive session, supported by U.S. efforts to replenish strategic reserves, as reported by Reuters. Brent crude futures rose 0.2% to $75.95 a barrel, while U.S. West Texas intermediate crude futures increased 0.1% to $71.30 a barrel. Concerns about crude oversupply and softer fuel demand growth next year continue to linger. The Biden administration's move to refill the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, SPR, and technical chart indicators are providing some support. However, Investors remain skeptical that supply will drop, despite OPEC plus pledging to cut production. The latest Consumer Price Index data from China also showed rising deflationary pressures, raising doubts about the economic recovery. Investors are closely watching central bank meetings and U.S. inflation data for their impact on the global economy and oil demand. Why, this is fascinating, isn't it? Oil prices are inching upwards again, and a lot of that seems to be thanks to the U.S. efforts to refill their strategic reserves. Now, I'm no expert on this, but I reckon this could be a solid move to stabilize the market a bit after the seven-week decline, reminds me of the old saying, buy low, sell high.
1: Yes, Mark. It's definitely an interesting move from the Biden administration. It could be seen as a strategic buffer against potential future supply disruptions. However, concerns of an oversupply and softer fuel demand growth are still lingering. The balance between supply and demand is a delicate one, and a misstep could lead to an imbalance. It's like walking a tightrope.
0: And speaking of balance, we've got OPEC Plus pledging to cut 2.2 million barrels per day in the first quarter. Investors, though, they're a skeptical bunch. They're not sure if the supply will indeed drop, especially with the output growth in non-OPEC countries. It's a tricky situation, no doubt.
1: And let's not forget about China, the world's top oil importer. Their domestic demand seems to be weakening, which could potentially affect the global oil market. It's like a giant puzzle, with each piece affecting the other in some way.
0: Well, you're spot on there, Linda. It's all interconnected. And this week, all eyes are on the central banks, including the Fed. Their decisions on interest rates could have a huge impact on the global economy and, by extension, oil demand. It's like watching a suspenseful movie, never knowing what's going to happen next.
1: The world of crude oil prices is complex and multifaceted. It's influenced by a variety of factors, from strategic policy decisions to domestic economic factors in oil-importing countries. It's a constant ebb and flow of actions and reactions, like waves in an ocean.
0: Story number four. Serbia has completed an interconnector pipeline to Bulgaria, allowing the country to diversify its gas supplies and reduce its reliance on Russia, as reported by Reuters. The pipeline will enable Serbia to access gas from Azerbaijan and the LNG terminal in the Greek port of Alexandrupolis. The capacity of the pipeline on the Serbian side is 1.8 cubic meters per year, which accounts for 60% of the country's annual gas needs. The European Commission donated 49.6 million euros, 53.37 million dollars, for the construction of the interconnector, with additional funds secured from the European Investment Bank and Serbia. The interconnector, as stated by Reuters, is seen as significant for the region, and will help to strengthen good neighborly relations. Can't help but think this move by Serbia is quite a game-changer, diversifying their gas supplies, reducing reliance on Russia. It's a bold move indeed and one that could significantly shift the geopolitical dynamics in the region. It's like a ripple effect in a pond, you know?
1: It's a clear demonstration of Serbia's strategic alignment towards securing energy independence. The interconnector not only allows Serbia access to gas from Azerbaijan and LNG terminal in Greece, but also reduces its vulnerability to possible supply disruptions. It's an example of how energy security can influence international relations, somewhat akin to Europe's shift towards Middle Eastern oil back in the
0: 1970s. And it's interesting to see the role of the European Commission here. Throwing their weight behind Serbia with a hefty donation for the interconnector sends a pretty clear message, doesn't it? It's like they're saying, we stand with you in your pursuit of energy diversification.
1: It's a testament to the importance of international organizations in facilitating such transitions. The European Commission's contribution, coupled with the loan from the European Investment Bank, is not just financial aid. It's a statement of political support, echoing the sentiment of solidarity in the face of common challenges. Similar to how the EU and US have been responding to China's dominance in rare earth minerals, another critical aspect of energy diplomacy.
0: Couldn't agree more, Linda. And let's not forget about the potential ripple effects of this move. If Serbia can successfully diversify its gas supplies, it could pave the way for other Balkan states to do the same. Could very well be the start of a new chapter in energy diplomacy in the region, kind of like a domino effect, you know?
1: It's a significant step towards reshaping the energy map of Europe, as Bulgaria's President Ruman Radev mentioned. It's more than just about energy, it's about asserting autonomy fostering good neighborly relations, and supporting each other through shared challenges. It's an echo of the interconnectedness that underlines our global society.
0: Story number five. According to the New York Times, Dr. Gao Yaojie, a Chinese doctor who exposed an AIDS epidemic in rural China, has passed away at the age of 95. Despite government attempts to silence her, Dr. Gao's efforts drew global attention to the epidemic which was caused by reckless blood collection practices. She spent her last decade in New York after facing pressure and house detention in China. Dr. Gao continued to speak out about the outbreak and the lack of accountability for those responsible. Her activism led to the distribution of medicine and aid to affected villages. Dr. Gao's work was praised both in China and abroad, and she was hailed by Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. She was born in 1927 and endured hardships during the Japanese invasion, the Civil War, and Mao's policies. Dr. Gao's investigations revealed that unscrupulous blood stations were buying blood from villagers and spreading infections. She provided assistance and medical care to affected villagers and played a crucial role in exposing the epidemic. Despite facing criticism for her views on preventing AIDS, Dr. Gao was respected and regarded with affection. She is survived by her children, grandchildren, and sister. Can we just take a moment to talk about the bravery of whistleblowers like Dr. Gao Yaojie who risk everything to expose the truth? She was a true hero, not only for China, but for the world. Despite government attempts to silence her, she spoke out against a major health crisis that was being ignored.
1: It's always inspiring, yet heartbreaking, to see individuals like Dr. Gao having to bear such enormous personal cost for the greater good. Her courage and determination to expose the AIDS epidemic in rural China, despite the risks of government retaliation, is a testament to her character and commitment to public health.
0: It's crazy to think that even in her 70s, she was out there, visiting villages, delivering medicine, and advocating for the people affected by this disease. That's the kind of spirit that makes a difference in the world.
1: Definitely, Mark. And it's important to remember that her actions had a profound impact, finally leading to the government distributing medicine. But it's distressing that it took such relentless advocacy to get there. This also raises broader questions about the responsibility of governments and organizations in handling and disclosing health crises.
0: It's a reminder that transparency and accountability in health matters are so vital. Dr. Gao's legacy, as well as that of other whistleblowers like Dr. Li Wenliang, who warned about the COVID-19 virus, teaches us that.
1: And perhaps it's also a call for societies to create more supportive environments for whistleblowers. They play such a vital role in holding powerful entities to account and protecting public health. Without them, as we've seen, many more lives could be lost.
0: That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow.
1: Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.